This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! That's good. That's good. Because we're recording now. Oh, okay. Great. I don't think you are. I think you're going to leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never know until you know. Well, folks, this has got to grow up sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. And I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. And it has been four weeks since we last recorded. Yeah. I forgot what Swan's even look like. (laughs) (laughs) It's seriously like we had a couple of weeks where we planned to not record in there and then also other things happened where we were like, whoa, we can't record for a while. Yeah. So it's been fun. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Yeah. Uh, there's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a real banger, but <laughs> there is, there is plenty to dig into. Yes. Well, let's go over your predictions from last week because it's been a while. You predicted that this episode would reveal who the masked person in the snake pit was and perhaps it would be Barrick. It would also reveal that that person would be there to rescue Glory. He would extract her from the snake pit just as Saja and JT appeared. I mean, maybe. Um, Either Billy is never going to arrive or he shows up in this episode. Nope. Did not happen. (laughs) Nope. Uh, We will find out. We didn't get any Sydney in this episode. No, we didn't. It's been Or Mila. It's been Sydney and Mila light for the last several episodes. Oh my gosh. Don't worry, that's about to change. Uh, I I wasn't worried. (laughs) You figured we would either find out where Garrett has gone to search, which would probably be the woods or the baseball field. There's nothing else after that either, so I don't know what else was said during that prediction, or maybe I just wrote it down wrong. Anyway, uh, Neil would not care about whether Glory returns safely now that he has the notebook back. Jimmy would search the tool and die for other mysterious spy apparatuses. And, And that was it. I think zero. I, I think, think I got much, zero. Yeah, basically zero. All right. Good job. Well, <laughs> let's talk about the thumbnail. Uh, we mm. get Glory, illuminated by a pale blue radiance, lying fast asleep. At her chin, a white paper sheet. Is it cloth? Is it paper? Is she dead in the morgue? What horrors lie ahead for us in this, <laughs> the 43rd episode of Swan's Crossing? <laughs> that was great. We open with JT and Saja riding their bikes at night some more, accompanied by some smooth jazz. I cannot get over how the sound editors were like, you know what we need every time we see boys riding mini bikes? Smooth, smooth jazz. jazz. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like smooth jazz was their go-to. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, we get more sexy sax music in this episode. Boy. It's very exciting. Uh, they discover a tiny pile of cotton balls in the middle of the road. <laughs> What is going on with the Baldi's ears? Why are just massive amounts of cotton balls constantly falling out? It is it is a truly insane leap to think that the number of cotton balls that they are finding are coming from the Baldi's ears. <laughs> and yet that, that is what we are supposed to believe. What's actually happening is some one of the Baldi's 
every time he gets excited, just chucks cotton balls like confetti. That's what's actually happening. I mean, we've already established that he cuts pancakes with a machete, so why not? Right. Saja says, it's starting to look like a trail. And JT says, he's really starting to get worried because she's been missing for over 12 hours. And then they just keep riding, looking for more cotton balls. It was literally at this moment in the episode that I was like, when she comes back, she's going to have amnesia or be in a coma. How else are we going to be able to drag this baldy situation on? (laughs) Because we still have 22 episodes to go. Yeah. Well, next we see... four and a half weeks of runtime in the summer of of 1992. It sure is. We're only at, like, July in the summer of 92. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Next we see Garrett return to his house on his minibike. He gets off and shouts for Neil... And then Neil's in Glory's room, frantically paging through the notebook. Neil urges Garrett to stay downstairs as he tries to decide what to do with this notebook. Which we don't... I don't think we see what he does with it. I don't know if he keeps it. I don't know if he, like, hides it somewhere else in the room. I don't think we do either, but also my notes say, Neil tells him to stay where he is. It sounds like he's pooping. (laughs) (laughs) I... Don't come in here! I'm definitely doing an upper decker in your parents' <laughs> master bath. Honestly, probably the booths deserve it. Yeah, oh, 100%. I don't uh, know. But yeah, Neil What's... is kind of like, he's he's upset about something as he goes through the notebook. Like, maybe some pages might be missing or something? I don't know. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he seems frantic. That's for sure. Outside the booth's house, Jimmy arrives on his minibike looking for Callie earning him an earful from Garrett, who seems truly beside himself with worry. Yeah, he does. Um, He's genuinely concerned about his sister, which is the first human emotion I think we've seen from Garrett. Yeah, I mean, that uh, Glory's disappearance seems to have unlocked uh, a well of vulnerability within Garrett that we have never seen before, and will probably never see again, I'm just guessing. And then, uh, as my notes say in all caps, CUT TO THE SNAKE PIT! <laughs> I never get sick of that. Uh, Where Glory hangs still suspended in the hemp net as a snake slithers through the ropes and a dark figure slowly descends the ladder from above. As he approaches Glory, the snake hisses and we cut to the theme song, which is so jarringly out of like... (laughs) (laughs) Gotta grow up! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Um... This this next part is probably my favorite part of the episode, where the masked guy grabs the snake out of the net, and then we cut to him cutting an obviously rubber snake in half. <laughs> yes! With a huge ass knife. He decapitates like a dollar store rubber snake. It's so good. It's so funny. Then uh, the ninja cuts the partially frayed rope to lower the net a little bit. And we cut to the road where Saja and JT are still following the trail of cotton balls. On JT's face, a look of grim determination. Also a look of having to bounce up and down in the the close-up because he's not actually riding. (laughs) He's not moving at all. Also, so that we can see that look of grim determination, the wind visor on his helmet is up while he is supposedly in motion, which is really funny to me. Oh, people ride with their wind visors up all the time. That's a bad idea, though. Like, you're going to get rocks and bugs in your eyes. I know, but it feels great. <laughs> and also, I have glasses. That's so. true. If you, if you have glasses, <clears throat> I guess so. Uh, let's see. Still not a good idea. Time out for a quick PSA. Friends, if you're riding a motorcycle, wear the wind visor down. <laughs> I mean, you're going to wear a helmet anyway, so just might as well. Might go as well. Might as well. 
we get a flashback where uh, JT flashes back all the way to the dinner party. Remember that from like a year ago? I do. I do. Because honestly, this scene was one of my early favorites where JT and Glory are being super cute as Sydney is out of the room and JT is describing his like ideal yes. type. YT, your type. Y- your type. <laughs> <laughs> And there's all the boxes in the background with the lit candles on them. And I was like, this is, the whole house is going to burn down. We are in a Jane Eyre situation. I think that's the episode title. Jane, <laughs> Jane Eyre situation. <laughs> this episode is nothing like a Jane Eyre situation. That's why it'll be such a great title. It's going to yeah. get that hook, that intrigue. Like Someone's going to be like, I have to find out. Yeah. How is Swan's Crossing like Jane Eyre? The answer, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> Other than there might be a fire in the big manor house. I mean, we're definitely headed in that direction. Wait, what? <laughs> no, we're not. Aw, oh, damn. Back at the booth porch. I mean, we toppled a bunch of uh, we toppled a bunch of Fourth of July towers. I don't know why we couldn't set the, bo- <laughs> the Rutledge house on fire. I bet that's another thing that was going to happen in season two, and we'll yep. never get we'll it. We'll never know. So mad. Our podcast is the weirdest. Back at the booth porch. <laughs> Thank you. Garrett is yelling at Jimmy because he was the last person to see her and she disappeared while he was fighting with Callie. And at one point, Garrett says, Thanks a lot, Jimmy. <laughs> and I just love the way he says it. Jimmy Jimmy jumps back on his bike to go find Callie, hoping that she has found glory. Uh, Garrett hops on his bike too, leaving Neil with the phone again. This whole interaction where Garrett comes back to the booth house is only here for exposition. Totally. It is the whole scene is there so that the audience who did not watch yesterday's episode (laughs) will understand what's going on. Neil comes out of the house onto the porch and he's kind of stammering a little and talking nonsense because he's nervous. Jimmy says, what's with him? Before he jumps on his bike and runs off and Garrett sneers. I don't know, but that geek's getting on my nerves. And he says it in this way that suggests he is probably, if not definitely, going to murder Neil. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Jimmy and J- Jimmy and Garrett ride off, and he th- Garrett thinks he knows one other place that Glory may have gone. But the only the only problem is you gotta work up the courage to go there at night. Ooh, spooky! So spooky. We're back to JT and Saja. They find yet another cotton ball. And I really appreciate the way that the uh, the set and camera crew have shot this same set of road differently <laughs> each time it to make creative. it seem like further down the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. Uh, JT asks, what's with the cotton balls? Is Saja going on more than a feeling? Which, uh, more than a feeling makes me immediately think of, was it Chicago or is it Boston? Boston! Mm-hmm. More than a feeling! That's such a great song. <laughs> uh, Saja confirms it is indeed more than a feeling when he hears that old song they used to sing. No. It is more than Boston. <laughs> he explains all about the cotton balls he and Callie have been finding all over the place. Maybe under circumstances in which teens were being followed by parties unknown. It does not. He does not include the information about being chased by the baldy, which is the excuse that we have later for him repeating all of this information again. Just get it all out at once, Saja. Come on, we're on a timeline here. Glory's yeah. been missing for twelve hours. Come on. We cut over to the snake pit and some very confusing shaky cam work that I think is supposed to indicate that Glory is no longer in the rope net. Uh, It's difficult to make out anything in the poor lighting. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of had the same note. Like, hard to make out what's going on because it's so dark, but I think maybe the net is empty and Glory is gone? Yep. Mm -hmm. So we cut to commercial, and when we come back, JT and Saja are wandering through 
the abandoned Walker estate oh. in the dark calling for glory. And Saja finds yet more fucking cotton balls! Thank God. Oh, JT yells at him over it, but then a trellis starts to fall on him and Saja pushes JT out of the way. Uh, the trellis has fallen, revealing an unsettling marble statue. Now, I tried <laughs> to get a good look at this thing. Uh, would you, can you describe what this statue is? I got, like, the next one I got, but this one is difficult to describe. Yeah, so it's, like, roughly two times the size of a normal human, and it's, like, a dude, kind of a young, muscular dude, with his arms up behind his head, but it's, like, fallen over, so it's sort of lying on one elbow. It was, it was weird. It's unsettling. It is unsettling, but it's not that weird, because Saja looks at it and says... Only a disturbed soul could have done this. Like, what? Tipped a statue over? Apparently, we find out that Captain Walker's dad went crazy, carved a bunch of statues of himself, so this is supposed to be Captain Walker's dad that we're looking at. Damn. And scattered them across the grounds of the Walker estate. Sounds like a pretty awesome guy, I'm not gonna lie. Right? I want to be, like, (laughs) seriously, what are you doing? Well, I'm carving statues of myself that I'm going to then scatter across my estate grounds. I would totally smoke a blunt with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it does does give me some like respect for Captain Walker's reticence to return to the old Walker estate. It does. You know, this is, now that I think about it, this is getting a little gothic. So maybe this is, in fact, a Jane Eyre situation. It is a Jane Eyre situation. <laughs> There's There are layers of family history that no one knows about. <laughs> JT says some idiots actually think his ghost still lurks around here. Saja gets scared by another statue and yells again and then runs after JT. The other statue he gets scared by is an immense bust in a rope, like hemp rope net. Yeah. Not unlike the one that Glory was stuck in. But it is huge. It is it is taller than Saja, this bust. Why is it in a rope net? That's a great question. I mean, it's very Indiana Jonesy. You it know is. what I mean? It's like the the did you ever watch that I think it was a Nickelodeon show like Secrets of the Hidden Temple or oh, something yeah. like that? Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. It feels feels very similar. We cut to a ghost-like glowing sheet. Woo! It becomes apparent that someone is lowering the sheet over an unconscious glory. Out here in the Walker estate! Yeah. Why she's been dropped in the Walker estate? No clue. No clue. We cut to Garrett, uh, also on the old Walker estate. And this is known to us because the roses in the background are creepily backlit. And we know that Glory (laughs) comes here to pick roses. Right. Uh, An owl scares Garrett as he continues to wander in the dark. He almost falls backwards into the grating above the snake pit, which, by the way, is still illuminated by candles. But he doesn't fall because he hears JT and Saja yelling for glory. I missed that part oh, where you did? he almost fell into the snake bed. It's just like he's wandering around. He sort of goes backwards through the bushes and owl hoots. And then you like see where his foot is and it's on the edge of the snake pit. It's just for like a second. So the snake pit is underneath the old Walker estate. Yes. Where this man went crazy. Yes, it is. And scattered these statues of himself everywhere. Okay. I mean, it does explain where they got the giant rope net from. Apparently it's on some of these statues. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give Swans Crossing writers a rare credit for making some sense. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I will will, uh, respectfully decline to comment. (laughs) 
JT spots Garrett, asks him what he's doing here, and Garrett asks what he's doing here. I think it's amply obvious what everyone is doing here. Yeah. No yeah. need for suspicion, boys. Yeah, but they're they're definitely like immediately in a standoff, these two. Which is which is fun because we get some resolution. Sasha starts to launch into an explanation about the cotton balls again. Garrett's, oh my gosh, the cotton balls. Shut I, up. But Garrett's actually interested in this story, unlike JT, who before just kind of blew it all off. Saja admits that someone chased him, and now Garrett's, like, all fired up. Right. They realize Glory might have been trailed here. They all get very focused on finding more cotton balls. Uh, and they do. Oh, they sure do. I mean, we probably should have counted how many goddamn cotton balls were found There's in so this many. episode. So, Saja su- suggests splitting up to cover more ground. And Garrett says, and I quote, It's too obvious it has to be a decoy. I have no idea what he's talking about or how it relates to what Saja just said. I think he's talking about the cotton balls, but I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, finally, finally, Glory wakes up and hears JT's voice and begins begins calling to him like she's a weak and helpless person. (laughs) Just laying there on the ground, unable to do anything for herself. She does. It's like, JT. JT. (laughs) JT. They barely hear her, but they do hear something. They go toward her voice, and in a synthesizer crescendo, JT finds Glory! Yay! And she sits up and hugs him like nothing is wrong with her at all. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the commercial that happened next? Or is, is it the next commercial? No, thing? no, this is it. This is it. Okay. So, cute theme music. <laughs> okay, I'll put the theme music in right here. Okay, folks, this has got to clean up sometime, the podcast within our podcast, where we talk about the weirdest bounty commercial ever filmed. Today, I'm going to focus in on the actor using the roll of paper towels in the ad. We presume it's a woman because the nails and the cute Nike sweatshirt she's wearing. I also noticed this time that she's wearing a small gold cross, indicating, I believe, a religious affiliation for our bounty wielder. Behind her, out of focus, is a bed with a tray of what appears to be a roll of toilet paper on it. Why does she need toilet paper in bed? Does she not blow her nose with tissues? Who's to say? The nail polish is bright blue, is bright sky blue as she tears sheets of bounty for use in cleaning up the water spill under her hardwood floor. As if someone has literally just chucked water onto this floor. Uh, there's a delicate elegance to her movements, a grace which belies the quality of this commercial. Obviously an experienced hand at cleaning up spills, she makes quick work of the floor, and thankfully, we have an aftershot with the floor looking dry as a bone. Switching to a shot of her mirror, we see the words, You look good at the top, indicating some deeply seated self-esteem issues that she may keep to herself in her white and cream-colored privacy of her own room. The next shot of the used bounty towel also includes a glimpse of her right thumb, uh, where we see that the blue, the sky blue polished is chipped. Is she a professional cleaner using her day job as a platform for proselytizing her faith? 
We get another wipe shot, and then a slow tilt down the unrolled sheet of bounty held aloft by our protagonist as the music swells and continues to drone on. She rips one final set of sheets from the roll before flinging it again in the air against the wall. Does this indicate an act of rebellion, resignation, a laissez-faire attitude to household cleanliness, or something darker? We will likely never know. This has been Gotta Clean Up Sometime, the podcast within the podcast. My god, I mean... (laughs) That was brilliant, Aiden. <laughs> look out, S-Town. Look out, Serial. We're coming for you. Next time, next time we're doing a deep dive <laughs> into the set design of the Bounty commercial. Well, after that incredible commercial, we, st- <laughs> we see JT and Glory sitting on the ground together. He's comforting her, and she tells him she thinks the guys who took her are actually after him. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I've also lost my place in my notes. Garrett runs up and tells her how worried he was, and then Sasha shows up and says, her perfect karma will allow no harm to come to her. I mean, I, I love her being kidnapped by weirdos and held in a net in a snake pit. Right? What the fuck do you know, Sasha? Where have you been? I love how he comes wandering into the set for this moment. Like, there's no urgency whatsoever. Like, they haven't been searching her for her for 12 hours. They all decide to get out of there as quickly as possible, especially because Saja senses an evil energy present. I wrote in my notes, that's just Garrett. (laughs) Saja, as they're leaving, takes a moment to examine the sheet Glory was left in before just throwing it back on the ground, where we watch it billow in the wind as they leave. Outside the Tool and Die, which is definitely the set for Outside the Library too, just so we're all on the same page, Callie emerges from the shop, mounts her bike and puts on her helmet and then Jimmy rolls up on his bike and there's this great moment where where they both stare at one another, be helmeted, and then they take their helmets off at the same time. I don't know why, but I love that so much. I I don't know why you love it so much either, but, you know, I've I've stopped being amazed by the things that you like about this podcast or about this television show. I'm also amazed at the things that you like about this podcast. (laughs) So Jimmy has come to show her something, but she does not want to talk to it. She is too busy trying to find Glory. So she rides off and we get this incredible sax stinger as Jimmy pulls out the jeweler's glasses, pulls them out, and just so that we all know what's going on, takes a photo of the latch on the the door of the tool and die. Yes, I actually uh, described it in my notes as the saxophone version of a womp womp. At the booth house, Neil comes out onto the porch looking bummed, but he sees Glory coming home with Garrett and JT and he yells with joy. Hooray! Yeah. Uh, JT in this shot is leaning on Glory. <laughs> I <laughs> want that I want that noted. He has his arm over her shoulders like she's supporting him. Let the records show. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Uh, apparently, Special Agent Friday is coming to uh, talk through things. Garrett offers to run interference so that Ka- so that Glory can go upstairs and sleep. And JT is like, I'll take her up. <laughs> and Glory's, Glory looks at Garrett and goes, can he? And then as the Glory and JT theme sweeps into the score, Garrett softens for a moment and says, yeah. 
Apparently, even now, 30 years after the show made it was made, women are still the property of men. That's right. <laughs> the one moment that I do like in here is that, like, JT and Garrett share a friendly handshake yeah. as, <laughs> as JT escorts his sister up to bed, which I hadn't put together until just now. Uh, All right. How did... Detective Friday know to come over just then. Like, maybe, maybe I suppose we can assume that JT, like, beeped Neil on his way over. On maybe? His beeper, but it's very, it's never explained. No. Anyway, in Glory's room, she's super upset and tells JT she was kidnapped. She didn't go to the Walker estate by herself. Someone, like, snatched her, but they were really after JT. And she's kind of babbling about snakes and knives and men in black masks. And JT's like, what the fuck? What is all this? The thing that I love about this is that this is the opposite of the way that this sort of thing works. Typically, at the the closer you are to the event, the more hyped up and like scared you are, and as you talk about it, you calm down. Glory goes the other direction. <laughs> she starts talking about it and gets just absolutely frantic. She's uh she insists that the men kept asking her all kinds of questions about science. Ah, uh, science. Ah, uh, science. Most insidious of disciplines. <laughs> That's why everyone should go into art. That's right. <laughs> we don't need science. Nah. <laughs> so, Glory uh, is explaining all of this, and Neil comes up with, like, a, a glass of milk and a sandwich and pauses outside the door to listen to this, unseen by Glory, who eventually <laughs> collapses on the, the bed, sobbing about how they took JT's poetry book. But she still has the other one. Yes, she has the other one, and, um... Super upset because she she thinks JT's beautiful, horny teenage boy poetry is gone for good. JT doesn't even know what the hell she's talking about because he doesn't know that mm -hmm. a second poetry book exists, right? And she says, Neil told her to guard that book of poems. JT looks up and finds Neil in the doorway and glares at him. And he says, they weren't just poems, were they? Oh. Neil looks down as the frame freezes and we roll credits. Oh, so intense. What do you think? Who was our psychopath, psychopath of, the, of week. the week? I actually vote for Jimmy in this one because he's the only one in this episode who didn't seem to give a shit about glory. That's true. That's true. And I agree. Okay. I agree. Fuck you, Jimmy. You're Fuck psychopath you, Jimmy. of the week. I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do. Like, I shout out, though, to the guy who cuts the rubber snake in half. That's just such... <laughs> Such a beautiful moment. We salute you, rubber snake cutting guy. Oh, jeez. Do we? I hope we someday find out who that man is. Maybe we will. Um, okay, so uh, we have one new fake swan. Okay. And that brings our running count to uh, four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 110 other swans. Oh my god, that's so many swans. It's so many swans. Wow. We say that every week. We you know, do. That's but... how we should sign off. <laughs> so many that's swans. That's so many swans. <laughs> Entirely too many there's, like, there's only a couple of things that we do every week. <laughs> One of them is try to figure out how we're going to sign off. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, uh, your predictions for next week. Okay, they have to figure out how they're going to tell the Gronies. But, I think next week we are primarily focused on Sydney and Mila and the prep for Billy. So I think we get... Scenes of Mila dressing up in all the outfits. Um, I think we get... I don't think next week Billy shows up. I think we get the plan. Sydney explaining the plan for what's going to go down with Billy. Because we need, we need one episode of planning to understand what the plan is. 
and then another episode for everything in the plan to go wrong. And I we might get a little bit of sort of like wrap up with JT and Glory and the gang. We probably get Garrett talking to Agent Friday and Agent Friday talks about like how they're going to handle the situation. I think that happens. I think maybe next episode Jimmy finally connects with Callie to let her know about the spy gear that he has found in Barrick's possession. So that's that's what I think. All right. Next week. I'm sure it will be an exciting and action-packed episode. Are Although you? <laughs> maybe there will be no more snake pits, and I'm a little bit sad about that, to be honest. You know what? Uh, we were in the snake pit for, by my count, three or four episodes, which in a 65-episode season, I think, is a reasonable amount of snake pit episodes. Yeah, I would say probably that's the right amount of snake pits. <laughs> All right, you want to give us our, our thank sign you. off? Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at Gotta Grow Up Pod. And no, yeah, and on Twitter at Swans Cross Pod. Oh my God. And until next time, my friends, may you always uh, have reasonable explanations for all the cotton balls you find. Thanks a lot, Jimmy.